0: did you so you can sit you said you're on a vps you said you're on windows you said you're going to ftp stuff in yep did you consider
1: checking all the modern boxes right there baby
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that's a, that's a, that stack doesn't even have a name yet it's so so hot and fresh
1: welcome to working code and now your hosts none of whom have ever seen a failing unit test adam ben carol and tim
0: Okay, here we go. It is show number 131. And on today's show, we are going to steal another podcast's idea and just going to steal their format. And also uh, welcome to the Ben and Adam show. It's just, it's just Ben and myself now for the second week running. We haven't kicked out our, our co-host, but Carol is uh, still working on moving and army stuff. And Tim is sick this week. So the two of them, once again, will not be joining us. And that's their loss, isn't it? <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Hundo P. Yep. So, Ben has finally gotten up off his lazy quack. <laughs> ben has finally gotten around to working on this project and he wants to talk about stuff. So, we're going to, we're just going to kind of like steal sort of the idea or the format, I guess, a little bit of the Escape Velocity podcast, which I know Ben and I both enjoy and just just chat through how things are going. But first, as usual, we will start with our triumphs and fails. And I believe last time that it was just Ben and myself, I went first. So, Ben, why don't you go first? Yeah, absolutely. And
1: this is, I think it's a triumph. I'm not sure. It feels a little bit like a failure. It's weird. I think I mentioned on the previous episode or two episodes ago, I removed Twitter and Facebook from my phone. So I have only been using social media from my desktop. And what that has essentially done is remove any desire that I have to actually engage in social media. Because when I'm at my desktop, I'm doing things like I'm being a productive human being whether it's working on the project we're going to talk about or doing work, work for monies. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I can't motivate to open a tab and look at tweet deck or look at Facebook or, you know, like I'll post when I write something, but I have no, I just have no desire to check in. It was really the walking the dog or standing in line at the store, or sitting on the toilet. Like that's when I was flipping through the phone, looking <laughs> at the social media. And without that, I just like, I don't care about social media anymore. Which feels like a triumph from a from like a societal standpoint, but mm-hmm. I I've actually started to feel a little bit disconnected. Like I, I get it. Yeah, uh, I'm no, there's no pulse. Like I have no pulse to anything. And it, I'm not saying that the pulse that I had before was good and healthy, but
0: it was something. And uh, right. I'm actually
1: feeling a little disconnected.
0: I, I totally see that. Right. Like the the connection to society has kind of swapped from being like you know reading blogs and and newspapers online and watching the news and stuff on TV to be social media driven you know hopefully to I think the the original intent when we made this shift I know it was somewhat intentional for me was like oh yeah you know the, the good stuff will bubble up the good articles will right, be shared right. and and if you give up social media altogether which is not an altogether unhealthy thing to do I, I commend you on the effort
1: well I mean just recently the the surgeon, was it the Surgeon General of, of, of the US? released a statement saying that social media is is bad for teens especially teen women the Mm. some of the most recent episodes of the ezra klein podcast which i think i maybe mentioned before were all about teen mental health crisis in america Mm. and, and actually globally and talking about how when they when they look at all the data that it seems to be consistently coinciding with the rise of social media and that there seems to be a direct link with how much time people spend on social media with how bad of an experience they have, mm. and 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 it's so it's that last point that I've been thinking about because I would never really spent a whole lot of time on social media. It was like again standing in line or walking the dog, and she's you know sniffing standing something at the for urinal apparently. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> it, it, it was that like one or two minutes of of, of, of free mental space. And
0: how long does it take you to pee? i drink drink a lot i drink a lot
1: so i think i didn't have a lot of experience on social media so i think my experience has overall been quite positive so i I don't think i ever really ventured into that unhealthy relationship with social media and because Mm of that i'm I'm missing the value add that i think it was presenting But I'm not sure if I want to add it back to my phone because I I feel like maybe I want to get a couple more weeks under my belt before I decide that it was actually maybe something I want to change my mind about.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're not totally disconnecting from social media, you're just not doing it in those moments where you, you know, should just be allowing your mind to wander or appreciating the peace and quiet. Yeah, it's true.
1: And I'll tell you, and I have enjoyed just letting my mind wander a lot more. I mean, I fill a lot of that void with podcasts and. Well, podcasts, really. And I've started to try and listen to music a little bit more just on on the go, which I I sort of gave up listening to music when I started listening to podcasts when I'm you yeah. know, away from my computer. I don't know, I'm trying to let my brain just relax a little bit more and, and kind of yeah.
0: go. I'm, a, I'm addicted to productivity.
1: Yeah, is, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Like once I discovered that I could listen to podcasts and audiobooks while I'm driving, while I'm in the shower, while I'm. I don't do it at the urinal. Sorry, Ben, <laughs> but like, well, I, you know what? If I'm already listening, then I won't stop it because I'm going to be that's, you know, but, but yeah, like it, it started out as like, Ooh, I can reclaim all this time that I'm just kind of wasting right. right now. And then it just became this obsession of like, okay, now I can read three books in the next three weeks and I can also do this and also do that. And it just became this like unhealthy obsession with getting as much stuff done in as little time as possible and Yo. i can see it happening like i still do it and it, and it, it's almost like i can't stop it sometimes i can you know sometimes exactly i I'm mean. intentionally like okay no stop <laughs> let's take a break but it's hard it
1: is hard and, and i find myself feeling exactly the same way where i can't stop myself cuz i have kind of i have two genres of podcasts i have tech podcasts and i have like i don't know human interest Beekeeping. podcasts <laughs> Yeah, you got to love a good apiary. And what I have found myself doing over time is is sort of pushing all of the human interesty podcasts to the side, like scourging. Sca- scavenging? Scourging. S- scourging? Scouring. Scouring. Yeah, I'm like scouring my list. I'm like, oh, where's where's the word? I must have missed a tech podcast. Like, I must have We're missed good a, at
0: words. We should uh, have a yeah. podcast.
1: <laughs> and I end up listening to podcasts that I, I don't even think I enjoy that much. Yeah, but, but I listen to them because they're tech podcasts. And then yeah. if I totally run out and I go and listen to something like How I Built This or This American Life, I'm like, oh man, I remember why I love these shows so much. These are great shows, but yeah. I've, I've denigrated them almost to like a second class citizen in the podcasting world, which is
0: totally, it, it's unfortunate. It, there are a couple that I found myself, for lack of a better word, I will say like hate listening to, like hate watching a YouTube Thing or, or hate- <laughs> not because I don't like the people or don't like the thing, but it's like I I feel a personal responsibility like to myself to keep up on this this oh. whatever the topic that they're discussing. But in in recent weeks, I have given myself permission to just be like, you know what, I don't care about this one. They're talking about you know this particular feature of CSS that will never matter to me because I don't you know I don't do whatever that type of animation or that you know, that was probably a little too in my in my wheelhouse to be a good example but you get the idea like it just it doesn't interest me it'll never apply to me so i'm just gonna skip this one and that's been nice to help keep my backlog from getting out of control again yeah so i'll report back in a couple weeks and and see
1: where we are see if i'm still social media free or if i've gone back to to the,
0: the dark side sounds good anyway how about you what do you got going on so I am going to go with a fail this week. I, I it feels recently. I was going to say I, I have recently returned from Princeton's alumni reunion. I am not a Princeton grad, but my company works at you know university events. They're big, you know, homecoming, reunion, commencement. These sort of large events where they have tons of people on campus and they need to manage the check-in and registration experience and and deal with all of that stuff on site. And it was a great weekend. And and compared to Last year, we were way better in just about every possible way. Certainly, there's things that we took away from it that we could learn and do better from. But the hardest part about the whole experience was that it was like one sort of normal-ish workday followed by three 18-hour shifts in a row. brutal. Yeah, it it was absolutely brutal. You know, it was working. We had to be on campus at like 8.30 a.m. And we were released to go back to our hotel room at like somewhere between 2.30 and 3. a.m. Only oh. to get up and do it again the next day, right? From so you from two thirty to to eight thirty, you have to drive back to the hotel, you know, whatever your your personal if you're an evening shower, morning shower, whatever. But you have to sleep, you have to shower, you have to you know eat breakfast, you have to you know whatever other stuff you need to do in that period, and then you're right back on campus in, for in, in six hours, right, including sleeping, which was oh my god, good. that's crazy, but it you know we're we're working on learning how we can reduce staff needs and like rely more on the the university they they like get their student workers to help out they have staff that volunteer they have all kinds of people involved but it's it's a long day necessarily and so we're we're learning what it will take to you know split it up into shifts and have people be doing you know easy jobs and our staff hopefully just kind of playing you know like dispatch right sit somewhere stationary and run the show yeah. but the people running around doing stuff be you know sort of hired help
1: when you go to princeton now
0: or you know like this last time is it is it i assume it's not just you it's, what is it two people no. or three people this year we had four of us oh wow yeah and i mean that's that's us again sort of doing the you know we're the top of the food chain but then you know helping us out we had a lot of student workers and staff and, and volunteers from the uh, different alumni classes, and then and that was like you know running the technology pieces at the at the gates where people were showing up and checking in and getting their wristbands, and then the we have special hardware. It's basically like an Android phone with a like a scanner, like sort of similar to what you would see at the checkout at a grocery store or you know okay, self checkout sure. at Wawa or whatever, where you know it's a little just a little barcode reader sort of deal baked in. We have some with like a, a cradle or some, it's, we're working on the terminology. It's like a cradle or a sled. We're trying to avoid any gun metaphors because especially being on college campuses, like you just got yeah, yeah, to totally. avoid that. But it does very much look like, like a phaser. We were for At one point, we were calling them phasers because they look like Star Trek phasers. But yeah, it's just like a little Android phone with a baked in, you know, QR code reader. And we use that and it acts as a keyboard, right? So we use that to fill in a text input and it hits enter after it reads, and and you just do validation through that stuff. And so those things were run by campus security. I, they have their own sort of like police force, and then they also have public safety, which is sort of like campus police light, as far as I could tell. And I apologize if that's offensive. You know, I'm. It's <laughs> if it's if it's wrong, it's because I'm an idiot, not for any other reason. And all of these people were amazing. You know, a lot of them were with us last year as well. And they they noticed the improvement and they were happy with it. And, you know, th- those people were doing the hard part, right? We were running around making sure the technology worked. They were standing at the gate for hours on end, scanning people's wristbands and, you know, looking for fakes because that's a big thing that happens. Really? I didn't know. Oh, yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Well, There's I mean, it,
1: there. I guess, is there free beer? Is that? The... Yes.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, there is free beer. And, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, and so you, I told you, you get a wristband, and, and obviously it's got a QR code on it. There are people who are so excited about coming back for their reunion that they post a picture of their wristband with the QR code on it on their oh. Instagram or something. And yeah, so that's funny. Yeah, and it, it's it's kind of hilarious to see it all happen, see it all play out. But at the same time, it's like you know you so have you've a responsibility. To, <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, it's a whole thing, right? So it was like 26,000 people registered, 24,000 people showed up, which is a a really great attendance. cow,
1: 24,000 people?
0: Yep, and they all have to get wristbands and you have to, you know, you have to card people and do adults and minors and you have to, you have a couple VIPs mixed in, yeah. So it's a whole big thing.
1: When does prep work? So you're going to Princeton, how, I mean, you're not. Printing out stuff, but it sounds it sounds like you're helping coordinate with the university. You're getting these volunteers. Like how much how much ahead of time? You know, I'm arriving on day X at Princeton. How early do you have to start talking to Princeton and talking to whoever does stuff there that's going to get equipment, get volunteers? Like how much time does that take?
0: The I think the best way to explain or to answer this question is so planning for next year will start seven to eight weeks after this year ended. Jeez! Holy cow! That's yeah. been bonkers. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's not a hundred percent necessary, right? We're not we're not dedicating a bunch of people to be a hundred percent on this until then. You know, they will do a, a lot of the planning and the the prep is done by the university. We're just sort of involved from a technological standpoint. We have a lot of check ins and stuff, but you know, we have to evolve the technology as well. Because, right, you know, people yeah. a couple of years into this, people know what to expect, so they're like, you know, maybe I. So, for example, right, the, the wristbands change their fabric wristbands and you they have a, a special clasp on them that once it's on, you cannot remove it until without like cutting it off. Right. So the idea oh, is wow. it'll be easier to spot somebody who's like just holding it on because it's been cut off sort of thing. If they're like <laughs> get in and try to throw it over the wall to the next guy, whatever. Well, so people, I guess, saved them from last year and then tried to uh, like use a marker to like change the color of it. <laughs> so that it more easily blends in with this year's and then they like tape over a QR code that will scan prep- properly from oh this year. Oh my God, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. There's like a whole black market for these things, man. I it's so hilarious to see. Oh yeah, it's great because it's it's mostly, to be honest, it's mostly high school kids trying to sneak in to get free beer. And they work so, look, they work so hard to... to <laughs> To be honest, I have a tiny amount of respect for how hard they are working, but really at the end of the day, you are putting in how many hours to get like two free coors lights? <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. Oh yeah. So anyway, that that was quite a quite a ramble. I don't even know if I got to the point of that. I don't I <laughs> don't think point, so
1: because I'm seeing there's about caffeine.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the the whole point was I worked these really long shifts and in order to get through them, I was I was a, a fiend for the caffeine. Mm -hmm. You know, I I was having three, four monsters a day plus other soda and, and, you know, whatever. Extraordinary circumstances. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it worked for the most part. I felt, you know, like a zombie on days two and three of those three 18 hour shifts and for like two to three days after. But the thing that's been hard now is, you know, I worked so hard to get down to my two Mountain Dews a day. You know, as my my baseline, and now I'm coming home and I'm like, I can't, I can't function, I can't human without a little bit more chemical assistance than I'm used to. Yeah, I understand. I understand.
1: I my my thing when I have more caffeine is that I then I can't sleep well, so then I have to start taking Advil PMs to knock myself out at night, and then I'm extra (laughs) groggy in the morning. Yeah, and then I and I need to counteract with even more caffeine the next day. So it's a it's a cycle. It's a cycle of triumph.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I guess then let's switch gears and switch into stealing a format. <laughs> so Ben, how's your thing going? You, Adam, what's the I'm, thing you're making?
1: So I have forever wanted to build a fitness tracking application. And I, don't and, I and I actually <laughs> built one 13 years ago in a weekend. It was cold fusion. It has like, it had like four pages in it and it did just enough to do basically what I want to do in this application, but it it wasn't architected very well, obviously. I mean, it's 13 years ago. I barely knew what I was doing in programming and uh, it it was originally designed so that you could track multiple people's workouts at the same time, which just uh, didn't end up being the way that I wanted to use the application. And just like, there's all kinds of stuff that's bad with it. Anyway, I stopped, I stopped even caring about that one years ago. So I wanted to rebuild it, to say a rebuild it, but I want to start from scratch. I deleted everything, deleted the database completely, you know, nothing in the finder folder. And it's weird to start from scratch. You don't start a project from scratch very often. I haven't really started anything from scratch in years, it feels like. And uh, there's a lot of questions that have to be answered in the beginning of a project that you don't think about. You don't have a lot of practice, right? You don't have that muscle right. memory. Of, of how you want to put things together. Plus your perspective on how code is organized has changed over time. Your perspective on architectures has changed over time. Your perspective on database schemas has changed over time. So there's a lot of, you know, old mental models, new techniques and just kind of rusty approaches that it's weird. It's hard to get that, that momentum going, even just trying to figure out how to organize the site. So it's going to have a, a logged in section. And a public section, like a like a marketing page, and uh, you know, click here to log in, sign up. And even just should that be two separate sites? Should that be the same site where the logged in part is just a subfolder of the of the main site? And then I don't know, like I didn't know how to answer those questions. And then I started to look at how cookies get organized and and would it make sense to have cookies be separated from the marketing site versus the logged in site? And that sort of felt like the more secure option so that I could. Really segment out my cookie storage, and so I end up going with I'm going to have the dub 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 site be the the landing page, and I'm actually on the on the public site. I'm I'm listing my change log. So as I'm adding functionality to the app, I'm listing out what I've done. And I mean, you can't even log in yet, but you know, I'll say like, oh, I'm I, like I put my IIS sites in place, and I I, I figured out how to use Let's Encrypt. I, I didn't figure it out. Hostek, which is my hosting provider, they actually have Let's Encrypt built into their control panel now, which I didn't even know. That's pretty exciting. So I can now get SSL nice. certificates just with a click of a button, which
0: is pretty fantastic. That's cool. So yeah, do ahead. you want to do you, like is it too late or do you want to have some of these discussions like the the I have thoughts and opinions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That.
1: I'm just I'm just
0: rambling. So yeah, yeah, yeah. please so. jump in. The the marketing site being separate versus you know sort of part of the application that handles the rest of the application. There's I think there's valid reasons to go both ways, right? So like the first thing that springs to my mind is like is it a big deal if one of them going down takes both of them down, right? Right. Um, whether right. that's for a maintenance issue if you're rebooting the server or or if it's for you know a bug, a crash or, or whatever. You know, if you split them, then you have a little bit more resiliency between them. The other thing that I particularly like is just being logged in when I get there. Which cookies will do for you? I, I will say too. You mentioned yeah, cookies. I, what, yeah. I hope I, I have a, an opinion, and I'll just go with my strong opinions. I'm, I'll I'll Please, stop trying to be is diplomatic a, this about is it. All about strong opinions, right? Yeah. Now. There's no need for for cookies on the marketing site. None. hundred yeah, percent. That's what that's what I'm feeling right now. Except, you know, if it is sort of integrated where, like, you drop onto the marketing site and if you already have your logged in cookie, then it's like, you know, you're already logged in. Go ahead and click here to open the application, whatever. One thing I will say that drives me nuts is applications where you, like, you can't get to the marketing site while you're logged in. You have yeah. to, like, open it in incognito or, or something like that. It's like, come on. I just, I wanted. to... I, Somebody asked me about how much your product costs and I wanted to give them the pricing page link, but I can't get to the pricing (laughs) page because I'm logged in. Like, (laughs) screw you, just.
1: One one thing that I found as a consumer of other SaaS products, the experience that I like is you go to the marketing page because that's, you know, you either don't remember it and that's what you Google for or you Mm -hmm. remember it, but you don't remember how the the authenticated version is. And they show you the marketing page and they show you the, the login button. So they don't even know, necessarily know that you're logged in. But then you click the login button and they just take you to the app. Like they it's not like mm-hmm. a forced login page. Once you click the login and they take you to wherever you need to go, at that point, I assume all the cookies kick in and they know who you are and they know whether or not you're logged in. So right. it's it, it, I, I'm I'm actually pretty pleased with that experience. I don't mind seeing the login call to action if mm-hmm. clicking it, you know, doesn't force me to do anything unnecessarily. I'm right. So I, I'm, yeah, if you're I'm already logged in and it's yeah. not gonna
0: make you re-log in. Yeah. So, okay. so that's what, that's
1: what I'm going to go with right now. And, and it sounds like I'm,
0: you're going to do like a subdomain for the, the app itself. Yeah.
1: So you're going to go dub, dub, dub. It's so the, the app is, is it, a de- it's big, it's
0: called, sexy muscles.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's called dig deep fitness. So, so the public site is dub, dub, dub dig deep And then the app will be
0: app.digdeepfitness.com. So it's, it's just a separate subdomain. It's just a Microsoft word document. Say what now? <laughs> Design-wise, it's just it's just black text on a white background.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 100%. There's no, there, there's no, I'm, so I'm trying to do the least amount of work possible. For sure. Uh, uh, there's no design system or anything. I want to do, Perhaps. I want to get like all the data storage stuff ready to go before I even really start to think about how it should look and and the and the user experience. I mean, I sort of have some of that in my head already, but, you know, it's so easy to go down rabbit holes. You know, mm-hmm. you want to, you want to start trying new things and experimenting. And like, I'm already finding myself guilty of experimenting probably more than I should be for just trying to get something off the ground. But I, I am trying to do the bare minimum that still makes me feel proud of the code, but doesn't solve a problem that I don't have. If I could sum it up, like, I only want to solve the problems that I actually
0: have right in front of me right mm-hmm. now. And can I, yeah, please uh, jump in it anyway. What you're doing is you're doing TDD, but you're just not writing any tests.
1: <laughs> I was thinking about tests too, which is funny because, so if I can walk you through how I build a little piece of functionality. So the very Please. first thing I had to do was figure out how I'm going to store a user. I need people mm-hmm. in the system. They have to have a representation of the database. So I created a user table. And I think, I think the only thing it has is an ID, which is just an auto-incrementing big integer an email address and like a
0: created at and an updated at Like that's all I have. I don't have a name. I don't have you anything. Should, like set the seed for that auto incrementing big integer, like 6 million. So the first user is 6 million and one.
1: <laughs> I could, I could change that. I could change that. <laughs> and, and it was even just having a name. I'm like, Oh, someone will probably want to put in a name. Maybe I should put that in. And I'm like, I'm not going to put in a name right now. That's, that's not a problem that I actually have. I don't even have passwords. Mm. Uh, so the, the initial, I haven't even built the login system, but I, I think all the login is going to be magic link based. I don't know if magic link is like a technical term or if it's a term that some marketing sites have used. But a magic link, basically, you'll say, hey, I want to log in. I put in my email address The system sends me a signed URL, essentially, that says, OK, here, you verified your email by clicking on this link and I will either log you in or create an account and log you in. And mm. And so no passwords will be required.
0: Nice. Yeah, at least initially, so sign up is as easy as just give me your email address.
1: Hundred percent, and then it also means that someone has to have an email address. I mean, there's ways around that. Obviously, there's all kinds of like, give me a garbage email address yep. service that I never have to think
0: about again. But what are you know. going to do for people who want to share an email address? I, <laughs> I'm totally just—it's—it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's a real problem that I have to deal with every day at work. But I—I I was just kind of just giving you, just giving you, yeah, brief yeah. yeah.
1: Because I, could, I mean, it, it, I think the user experience just won't be good for them because it the weights are your weights, you know, the exercises yeah. are your
0: exercises. So if you're sharing with someone, it's going to be confusing. Absolutely. Um, and, and honestly on that page, I would just put the thing that says like your, your email address is your identity in the app. And if you share an email address with somebody, don't, they're free. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. Oh, so I want to, so I wanted to talk about testing because I'm, I'm, as I'm telling you this, and, and, you know, as people will listen to this, I'm sure they will be screaming into the, the podcast player, like you, idiot, like you're testing, but you're not recording any of it. So basically what I do is I say, okay, I have this user table. It's got a couple of columns. So I will create the data access cold fusion component, which is just all the, basically the create, update, delete and read, read. query. So it's, it's like, it's the low level SQL stuff. So I'll put that in place and then I'll create a little scratch file, you know, the scratch, a CFM file, and I'll instantiate that component. And I'll send some data into it and I check the database. I'm like, that looks good. And then, like, I'll read, you know, I'll call the read from it and I dump it out to the page. I'm like, yeah, that data looks good. I'll try to request a file record that I know doesn't exist. And it either throws an error or I catch it and I say, oh, it didn't exist. So I basically do, I think, a lot of what tests would do. Except once I'm done, I just delete that scratch file and I never think about it again. I'm like, I've already validated that this code works. So, you know, if I ever make changes to that, I'll just have to come and do the same thing again. But, but I don't have to have the test live there forever, just taking up space. I mean, I'm obviously being a little facetious, but.
0: Yeah, so, but you want to leave a comment on this podcast? Go to workingcode.dev discord. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I'll, I'll, do the, I'll do the data access. And then usually I have a, a I call it a service layer. I have another cold fusion component that sits above that, which does more of like the taking in the data and massaging it before sending it down to the lower level data access. And again, I'll do the same kind of thing where I'll create a little scratch file. I instantiate that. I instantiate the gateway. I wire them together. I start making a couple of calls, make sure that all the calls give me the right data or don't give me the data if the records don't exist. And again, I feel satisfied that it works. I throw away the scratch file and I basically never think about that code again. And I sort of just iteratively do that as I'm building out the application. So I I am testing. I just... Don't do it in any automated way. You're just way. doing it in the hardest way possible.
0: <laughs> You're not automating it and and then you throw it away so that if you ever need to repeat that test, you have to start from scratch again. You know, the, the, the issue is is like
1: I don't want to ever mock anything. I just I'm not I, I Yeah. The problem it's hard. is there's a database. At the end of the day, there's a database that's a pretty complicated piece of software. And I don't want to have to build out something that fakes what the database is doing. Yeah. every, every time I look at an application at work, and they're doing, they're jumping through all kinds of hoops to get data to work. And I'll tell you, it, it's like I spend 30% of my time editing the code and 70% of my time just trying to get the tests to work because they're so complicated and they're breaking for weird reasons. And I'm, I'm sure a non trivial amount of that is me just not being familiar with whatever framework that that one particular team happens yeah. to be using that one particular repo because it's a different testing framework than the other team on this other repo. And it's, it's all over the place.
0: Yeah, now, testing is great until you get to that point where you're like, okay, now how do I mock this? And then you spend three days trying to figure out like, how do, how to mock one spe- specific use case? You know, like I need a I need a particular database query in this chain of actions that's going to happen. You know, like once we get seven layers no. deep, I need it to throw an error so that I can test this possible thing. Right? Like it gets it gets hairy, uh, and that is especially when you're switching between testing frameworks and things, it gets very frustrating very fast. It does. So
1: I sidestep that entire thing by not doing any testing. (laughs) And so far, I have not generated any
0: bugs. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, we just decided architects were too expensive. So we just (laughs) poured some concrete and stuck some rebar into it and we'll figure it out as we go. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I mean, look, it's awesome. You're building something. And it, you're. so it seems to me that you have created a, a thing that you're excited to work on, right? It's a little Skunkerworks project where right. you can try new things, you can learn stuff, you can get some more recent greenfield experience. These are all great. One thing that springs to mind is that a while back, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, you wanted a project specifically to get yourself something to do with like Docker. Right. uh yeah but
1: yeah so yeah yeah okay so so last year my 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 2022 goal which if for those listening it today is 2023 so my last year's goal was to do something that would allow me to build a docker image deploy that image somewhere and use let's call it a grown up ci <laughs> continuous integration continuous delivery type of approach that 100% never happened. N- not a single line of code of that actually happened. So there was basically no effort put into that whatsoever. This is going completely the opposite direction. I'm just leaning into the fact that I have a VPS and I'm literally going to be FTPing these files to my server. And you know what? It kind of sucks. Uh, I, I It kind of sucks. But like again, I know it's going to be so easy to go down rabbit holes. and my the purpose of this is to build a fitness tracker. This is not necessarily a technology learning endeavor. This is a mm. I want to build a okay. thing
0: and it's I'm more of an do, application thing than an infrastructure thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I just want to do the least amount of stuff that it's going to take to get this done. I still want it to be done well. I still want it to be architected well. I just I I it's it's not the right time for me personally to worry about you know deploying an image and having Blue green deployments and rolling restarts. I'm like hey, you sure. know what, you know. Sometimes I'm going to be able to deploy code via FTP, and it's going to be fine. And you know what? Sometimes there's going to be race conditions, and like certain files are just going to break mid deployment. And like I don't, you know what? It's, I'm just yeah. going to live with it for now.
0: You, you said you have a VPS. Do you want to explain what that is for people? Yeah. So a VPS
1: is a virtual private server, which essentially means I have what looks like my own server somewhere. I use Hostec that's a goldfusion hosting provider not sponsored not, not sponsored and I don't know it's it's not a real computer it's like some slice of a much larger computer I assume is how it works that's the virtual part mm-hmm. and but I I log into it like I would log into a computer I can FTP I can create uh, sites and IIS yeah it's like having my own server but uh, but it's not mine
0: did you so you can sit you said you're on VPS you said you're on Windows you said you're gonna FTP stuff in. Yep. Did you consider...
1: Checking all the modern boxes right there, baby.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, that stack doesn't even have a name yet. It's so, so hot and fresh.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. oh, man, it's so good. Oh, mission accomplished. Man, any show that'll make you crack up like that is good. <laughs> Did you consider just like cloning the Git repo and and letting that be your deployment strategy, like remote desktop like in, doing like and doing like a, a Git pull? pull? Oh, you know yeah. what? That's a
1: that's a that's a really good idea. And actually, at in at Envision, so at Envision we have like a full image based fancy deployment system. We use code chip. It does magic. I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. In the early days, yeah. that's what we did. We used to essentially. So let me, let me try to remember what it was. So there in the early days of Envision there were two folders that live next to each other. There was like the pre-release folder and the production folder. And we would log into the server. We would do a git pull in the pre-release folder. And that had a special subdomain you could check to make sure everything looked okay. And then once you validated that everything looked okay, there was like a, like a folder sync. We'd say, okay, now sync all the files and pre-release to production and... And it was live. And you know what? It was actually pretty easy.
0: Maybe yeah. I should do that. Yeah. I mean, we, we have two products. And the one that I am very heavily involved in, our platform, we are down to, of, I think, at our peak, we were 13 servers, maybe, where you had to, for every production deploy, you had to remote desktop in, open up a command line, which we usually just left it open anyway. Yeah, yeah. And then just go in and do a git pull. And uh, we're down to only one of those remaining. All of the rest have already been turned into like auto building containers that go through yeah, CI. Amazing. They build from Git and they, they automatically deploy on ECS on AWS, which is fantastic and great. It's it's not without its own challenges. But one thing that I sleep so much better at night as a result of this change is that no, it is impossible for someone to go on and make an uncommitted change in production. It is just not possible. We don't have SSH on these machines. The only way to change what's up there is to deploy a new updated version of the application. Sounds very SOC compliant. Oh, it very much is. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that one remaining server will be going away as soon as I can make it happen. And, and we were actively pursuing it. So
1: hey, I tell you, and what's great about the Git Deployment, the Git-based deployment, is that it knows all the files that have changed. Mm-hmm. You know, even not from a from a change management standpoint, but just from a, did you actually get all the files you meant to get, to get? Because I have definitely in my history of FTPing files, just missed a file, and then you go to the site and you refresh it, and all of a sudden, you know, all the content's Everything gone. Just says an error occurred, yeah.
0: and you're like, ah, yeah. oh, what? And like, no, what did I bugging. do? Okay, yeah. well, just do the whole directory. It's going to take an right, hour. Yeah, but- yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you know that just doesn't happen with git which is pretty amazing yeah oh, yo, well so what
0: what ends up happening is you just move the problem right so now instead of forgetting to deploy a thing you forget to commit it right so like, yeah 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 you know yeah. You, you, axi- you, you forget that you added a file and you're just on your terminal and you're like git commit dash am here's my message mes- git commit commit messages are hard end quote enter git <laughs> push and you're like you know you don't you don't think oh I added a new file and it's not gonna get picked up by that
1: so, yeah, you know, my, so the thing that will always happen to me is I will, I'll have the files all ready to go and I'm looking at my, and I'm looking at my PR or, you know, or I'm looking at like a git diff and I see something that I missed in the diff and I'm like, oh, let me go edit that. So I'll open up the file. I edit it and then I forget to save it. Mm-hmm. So then I do git status. It looks like everything's been saved. And then I push it and it's broken. And then I, I like I go to checkout master and it'll be like, oh, you can't check out master because you have uncommitted changes. And I'm like, what? Uncommitted changes? <laughs> That's not good.
0: Yeah. Man, I feel like I, I've been served pretty well by a habit I picked up when I was a teenager, which was just like save constantly. constantly. Like at the end yeah. of every line, I'm hitting save. Yo,
1: absolutely. That it, it, it actually drives me frequently, but it drives me crazy when I'm using it. Just like, I'll open up a temp file just to like, maybe just do some text, some text mm-hmm. manipulation, not because I actually care about it. And just out of habit, mm-hmm. I constantly hit command S and it will say, oh, you want to save this file? I'm like, no, I don't want to save this file. Like, right. Oh. And yeah. Then I'll type like one more word and I hit command S again. I'm like, no.
0: <laughs> yep. Okay, cool. So we talked a little bit about users. You just have a table with email addresses in it. This is your greenfield. So like all the other, you know, greenfield stuff, like what are you doing to, for like error logging?
1: Well, yeah. So that's the thing. It's like again, there's all these hurdles you have to get over. That once you build the application, adding features becomes just incremental. But there's this huge hill you have to get up. Error logging. So I'm I'm using Bugsnag, which I switched over to Bugsnag like a month or two ago. Not sponsored, but really, (laughs) just a really great user experience. I've been really enjoying it. Just it organizes the bugs really well. But in order to get things into Bugsnag, I had to create a Bugsnag client in ColdFusion, which is really just a single API call, an HTTP API call. But then I have to build an error management system. By that, I just mean like I have to do like I have to have the try catches in place at the root level to catch errors that weren't caught. And I have to feed those into the to the bug log. So like I have to get that stuff working. And then and now I'm starting to work on on actually getting the user logged in. And I didn't want to use ColdFusion's native session management because that's just stored in the server. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've sort of soured on the idea of having in-memory sessions over the years. At at work, we use Redis to store our sessions. We used to use MySQL. I don't have anything fancy, so I'm just going to store my sessions in MySQL. Client variables. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't do that. No, don't do that. You're going to store them where? I'm, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna have a user I think I just called it user session table okay. which has a that. it's gonna have a an auto incrementing big in as the session ID and then I'm gonna have a a 64 byte random value as the token value for the session and okay. then I have the user ID and like the date it was created and I think I log the
0: IP address for security so the first. token is what goes into the cookie or whatever
1: yeah I think what goes into the cookie is like the ID, like the, the session ID dot the session token. And so that'll get sent to the server and I'll, it's basically a dot delimited list. The first thing is the ID. I get the record based on that. And then I do a comparison of the token against the thing in the database. But doing, so I had, I haven't had to set up a new session in forever. So I'm like, oh, how long does the session have to be like? should I have some sort of a signing key or something like I, like I literally don't remember doing this stuff cause I've been working in the same application forever. Yep. So I was, I was looking on OWASP, which is the open web application security project. Yes. F- fantastic project. And they have like a million cheat sheets. So they have a cheat sheet specifically for session management. they talk about how long IDs have to be and how long they should live and how they have to be locked down and, you should be using cookies because cookies have the most security options and they were like local storage is pretty junky but you could use it but not so great and cookies are really the way to do it because you can have you you can say like cookies are secure only you can say that they're only http accessible so you can't access them through javascript you could say like you can only access them from the same sites you can't do some some cross-site request forgery stuff you can lock them down to domains. You can lock them down to paths within the server. Like, there's all kinds of like really awesome stuff that cookies can do. Yeah. So, anyway, so but like you know, again, I I don't want to build anything that's insecure. So I I want to get this stuff right at least. You know, try to get it right the first time. But it's it's like relearning a lot of the stuff that I've taken for granted for so long, having working in an established application. Sure. Well, How are you liking
0: Bugsnag? Have you have you sent much over there yet? Yeah,
1: it's really great. It's really great. They they group things really well, and then they have good. I mean, like this is a really silly thing, but in Gmail, you hit the Shift three to delete things, and Shift three works in Bugsnag also. So I'm like, awesome. That's just like a sweet convenience. That's bizarre, but okay, sure. Hey, I, I I I don't know. Whatever. It's just great. So it has. It's just. It's just really good. Yeah. I'm just really enjoying I,
0: it there have been like four times in my life that I really tried to be like, okay, this is, this is it. This can be the month that I learned the Gmail keyboard shortcuts. And it, I think that's, it's very that's heavily based on Vim. <laughs> yeah. I think it's very heavily based on, I think E is archive. That's, that's one that sticks out in my mind. E, for some reason. Yes,
1: I think you're right. Uh, I'm, like I got my hands on the keyboard. I think E is archive. Shift three is delete. C is compose. Forward slash is like focus
0: the search input. And I think that's Okay, that's the, pretty, that, yeah, it's pretty common.
1: That's, that's all that I
0: know. Okay. Well, I, yeah, it's just too complex for me. I feel like if I was a regular Vim user, that might be different. But I feel like they're very... Like the, the navigation, move up and down, select yeah, things. Yeah, I don't do any of that. I don't do yeah. any of that. Well, I was looking at the... I just pulled up Bugsnag and there. I think if you are planning on staying independent for a very long time on, a, on a, any given project, that seems like a great place to start, right? You get 7,500 events. So I assume like bug reports. Yeah, and one seat for free. So that's that looks pretty cool. I was yeah. going to say, like, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about this, but I will throw it out there. Yeah, uh, a product that we use that we like because it's open source and and we can you don't run into pricing and, and licensing issues. It's a Cold Fusion product called Buglog HQ.
1: Oh yeah, which by, is for uh, Oscar Arevalo. Uh, oh yeah, he worked at Envision.
0: Oh really? Yeah. Okay. So you are well over this product and choosing not to use it. I see how it is. <laughs> well,
1: it's so so I you know, not the 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 No nah, so Oscar came. No, no, no i give you like the Oscar came and we had already had a bug tracking system in place, which really was not a good system at all. It was we were basically just writing errors to the database and we had a little simple UI that would list them out. And he came and he was like, Hey, I wrote this bug tracking system, it's pretty great. I'm gonna put it in place. And we're like, Okay, do it. And I think he was the only one who ever used it. Mm. And and then we eventually removed it. But no, it, yeah. it 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 seems like, from what I remember him showing me, which you know this was like ten years ago, and and mm-hmm. it looked like it had a lot of the features, like the grouping of errors and muting and stuff. Like it has a lot of the stuff that the bug sounds yeah. like it has. I mean,
0: it could be that I haven't, I just haven't looked to see. But I don't, I don't think it's been updated in in like a decade or more. Oh, you know, it's just kind it, of. Right, it's kind of, and it not, that's not to say that there's anything wrong with it, it's just not continuing to grow and, and evolve like modern bug tracking software stuff is, right? So, you know, thing it's not learning any new tricks from anybody else. Right, right. But like I said, the reason we picked it is because it's free and there's no licensing concerns. We can host it ourselves, which kind of sucks, right? Because it's not our core competency. You know, we don't have, it, it stinks when the bug thing goes off, which is rare, right? Maybe when you try to submit a bug report, which is a REST API call, and it doesn't go through, you can have it configured to like send you an email as a backup. Mm. And we get maybe I you don't know ten of those a month from a crap load of traffic. Yeah, I yeah, mean we're not Stack bad. Overflow, but we're we're like you know maybe one twentieth or one tenth of what Stack Overflow does in terms of traffic, and yeah, you know, that, so that doesn't feel too bad. It, yeah, no, that I hate. Yeah. The the reason I was hesitant to mention it is just because I feel like. The fusion community can so often be very insular, right? Like, not Mm -hmm. invented here, our thing is best. And, you know, like, there's pros and cons to every decision. Well,
1: yeah, and I have to admit that I am, I don't want to say that I'm a not invented here person, but I enjoy the idea of building stuff. I think I have a sense of where my competencies end. Like, I'm not going to build a Redis client. Redis does that and they've done a great job of it. But like I will build maybe more stuff around Redis that you may have also been able to get a package for. But I want to build that part because I feel mm. like I understand it. Like I like I like to go maybe a little bit deeper than other people might go, but then I hit the you know, I hit a, a wall pretty quick. I don't want to get too nitty-gritty.
0: Right. That makes sense. But like I mean, um, that can be a good way to learn too, right? Like, yes, I know there's a library that could do this for me, but I want to. You know, expand my knowledge in this sphere. So
1: it, it, it's interesting. So I mean, this is I, this is going to sound like I'm throwing shade, but I'm not throwing shade. So I was just listening to the Syntax FM podcast, actually, like right before this, as I was brushing my teeth. And Wes and Scott are talking about they were they were they're rebuilding their podcast website, and they're talking about the tech that they're using. And at one point, Scott talks about, oh, I've I've been using this library that generates the slugs for URLs, mm-hmm. and I, and I'm like like you could just write that like you don't wow. have to pull in a, a library that does slug generation and i'm not saying that you know there's probably a really good reason that there is a library for that and he talked about like it has some have text translations for emojis that you can have emojis and titles and stuff and, and i'm like all right you know and and i think that's part of the nice thing about building stuff for yourself is that it only has to work for you it doesn't have to be the thing right. that works for everybody else so you can live in a world of a lot of constraints and known quantities and and you can really narrow in the degree of building that you have to
0: do and i think that i
1: don't know it makes it i have a lot of fun with that stuff
0: yeah i mean there's a lot of reasons to build your own
1: like okay so maybe one thing that i did that i probably didn't have to do i wanted to build a dependency injection system (laughs) before okay (laughs) so right like it sounds crazy (laughs) it sounds crazy when you look at something like wire box from, from Ortis. It's like a tremendously complex piece of software or even something that's a lot more simple, like dependency injection one, which was what comes with the framework one, di one. Right. Um, And you look at di one, if you open up the file, it's like, it's like 400 or 500 lines of code. Like it's not, it's not an overwhelming amount of code. Of course they have like almost no white space in that code. So it's really like, it's really like 4,000 Ben lines of code, but whatever. Yep. But, but dependency injection systems that are out in the wild, they have to be very flexible because they have to work in a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. For example, you can say, hey, this component should be a singleton, meaning that it's cached in memory forever. But when I ask for this type of component, it's not a singleton. So I want you to instantiate a new one and give me a fresh one every time I ask for it. I'm never going to do that. I, like All of my components will forever be cached in memory as single instances. I never have to worry about transient objects. So I don't have to have that logic in my injector. So I built a little injector, and it's like 300 lines of code, and it and it and it's and it's working pretty well. But like I don't know, I just had fun. Like I just wanted to build it and have yeah. and have fun with it. I want to keep the excitement going.
0: I get it. I, I too have written a dependency injection framework. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, uh, mine was <laughs> <laughs> hey now hey now i'm getting insulted <laughs> uh,
1: i just funny because we both have done it that's great
0: yeah uh, mine was part of taffy and basically when i when i hit that point in the framework i was like okay so you you could have choices and i want to support choices all right i wanted to I, at the time the things that right. i was aware of and, and wanted to support were cold spring di1 and Like nothing, right? Whatever Taffy uses under the hood, out of the box by default, right? Mm -hmm. So the Taffy default is you've got your application CFC somewhere, your index.cfm. Application CFC and index.cfm are in a place, right? That's where your API is. And then you have a subfolder off of that called resources. And in there, it looks at all the CFCs and parses them, checks their metadata to see if they extend the right things in order to be considered, you know, whether it's a serializer or a resource or whatever and so i was just like okay well that's going to be my thing right I'll, I'll, I'll just write a quick dependency injection thing that does that and it's it very heavily inspired by di1 and except that there's no it, it's not intended to be inherited from like di1 you could, right, right. You could inherit and overwrite it, and stuff yeah, yeah. And this is just like this is the way it works I mean, take it or leave it
1: <laughs> i i look i i think it's great because it also it forces you to think about how things work just a little bit mm-hmm. more
0: than you would have before Sure. Um, and I, now, like, I, I totally know. understand problems of dependency injection, circular references and, and, and not, not dependency trees, but, uh, you know, it, the order that things get yeah. instantiated and, and built, you know, those things matter. It, 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 yeah, it's
1: really, I actually, in my injector, I have this huge comment block. I mean, it's like, it's like eight lines of comments long and it's all about, I, I'm instantiating this cold fusion component. And it is not ready yet. It doesn't like it doesn't have any of its dependencies injected into it, but I'm storing it in the internal cache. So in theory, this is an invalid component being stored in cache. But the reason I'm doing that is because I might have a circular reference later on and I don't want to go down this infinite back and forth of trying to instantiate components. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm basically protecting against the circular references, but I'm doing it with, you know, 10 lines of comments. Uh, as a this is this is a shame that it has to be here but i'm too lazy to figure out how to do it better kind of a thing but but yeah i don't know and it's exciting to think about that stuff okay yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything else it, even just so there like there's stuff that i haven't even solved yet but it, again it's just like this one hurdle after another so i want to have these magic links meaning you don't have to sign up with a password you just give me an email address and i'll send you an email with a magic link that allows you to sign in but in theory, that becomes an attack vector now because anybody could go to the site, type in anyone's random email address, and then they mm-hmm. get a an email saying, "Hey, log in to Dig Deep Fitness," and they're like, "I have no idea what that is." And right. that's thanks for you
0: creating your account on.
1: Yeah, yeah, like it's a stupid attack, but it's an attack nonetheless, and it probably yep. costs me money at some point because emails are not n- nothing; they're pretty inexpensive, but they're not zero cents, you know, per million or whatever. So now I have to figure out rate limiting and, like, okay, you know, I can rate limit based on IP address, but then IP addresses can be pretty dynamically spoofed these days and people can spin up botnets. I'm like, do I think someone's targeting me with a botnet? No. But, but like, it's one of those things you have to think about. And like, okay, do I have to worry about rate limiting on day one? Like, should I Mm -hmm. be including rate limiting in my initial implementation of my magic link? Or do I say, hey, I'm going to need rate limiting put a card on the Trello board and I come back to it when I come back to it. Like I don't know what the right answer is there. I'm I'm not sure how worried I should be. And it's something I have to consider as I'm as I'm as I'm wading through this murkiness. Yeah. For sure. Ugh. Anyway, okay, I'm good. This is exciting. So <laughs> so my plan is I want to start reporting, you know, sharing my progress as we're doing the show. And I'll, you know, I can roll it into the triumph and failures, but you know, I want to keep everyone abreast of what's going on.
0: Let's do it. Sounds good, and and in, in, I'll throw this out there as a as a weekly update in case anybody's wondering what happened to book club, why we didn't mention it this week. Our book club recording or book club meeting would have happened on Memorial Day, yeah, uh, earlier this week on the thirtieth, uh, or I guess Memorial Day observed. I'm bad at holidays and calendars i apologize but uh, whatever the everybody was celebrating here in the u.s on monday we were supposed to get together on monday and we just decided to postpone and we're kind of doubling up next week so instead of reading chapters i think it was um, i think six through nine yes and and so instead of six through nine it's now six through twelve noise and we'll talk about those next week because there's been some interest in like increasing our pace nobody's complained about having too much to read yet and Multiple people are like, I can't put it down. It's so hard to make myself stop. So <laughs> it's awesome. We're going we're gonna to try to turn up the, the throughput a little bit here. See how that goes. Okay, so this episode of Working Code is brought to you by Magic, which I can neither confirm nor deny is involved in authenticating into Dig Deep Fitness. May or may not. You'll have to try it for yourself. See if you get glitter in your email. And, and <laughs> listeners like you, if you're enjoying the show and you want to make sure that we can keep putting more of whatever this is out into the universe, then you should consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons cover our recording and editing costs, and we couldn't do this every week without them. Special thanks to our top patrons, Monty and Gene Carlo. And actually, we do have a new patron to welcome this week. So Andy McNeese, welcome. Thanks for joining up. And uh, yeah, so what do patrons get? We are going to continue talking after we stop the main show because that's what we do. We can't stop ourselves. But we're going to keep recording, and and we call it our after show. It could be about anything. I'm going to ask Ben if he's been watching Ted Lasso and... If he has, like, you know, how far is he? And can we talk about the finale? finale I can't talk about the finale yet. Can't talk about it yet. Yeah, uh, we haven't seen it either, but we're, I think we'll watch it tonight. Us too, right after this, actually. (laughs) Okay, yeah. And the other thing that I'm going to ask Ben about in the after show is uh, previously he had mentioned like some bizarre behavior they were seeing at work for SMS, people like sending Mm -hmm. out SMS codes. And a listener of the show in our Discord brought, like sent us a, a link to an article about how that can be like scamming people. Somehow it's a scam and people make money off of it. I don't get it. I don't remember. It was a while back, but yeah. I wanted to see if anything came to that. So we'll talk about that in the after show, unless Ben has something more interesting to talk about, in which case we won't talk about that. But since I mentioned it, here's your homework. You're just, I want you to join our discord, go to workingcode.dev slash discord. And that's where you can leave all of the nasty grams that you want for Ben for his <laughs> testing and then throwing it away instead of automating it. <laughs> And, and yeah, and, and we'll talk about book club and all the wonderful things that are offshoots of this podcast. I'm still very excited to get everybody back on the show. I have a game that I want to play with all four of us on. It's, it's going to be fun, but I got to wait till, you know, no, nobody's sick and nobody's moving and, and doing army stuff and we'll get, we'll there. figure it out. But I, I'm, I'm eager. I, I want to keep mentioning it because if I don't, then I'll forget. <laughs> so I guess that's it for this week. We'll catch you next week. And until then. Remember, folks, your heart matters, even if that's not asserted in a unit test.
1: (laughs) You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.